I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're the Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Editing Podcast. So this week, we're thrilled to welcome back two guests who appeared on the show just a couple of weeks ago when they shared loads of wisdom about editorial networking. That's right. Brittany Dowdle and Linda Ruggieri are back. Now, during their last visit, we talked about some of the tips they discussed in their book, Networking for Freelance Editors. And that got us thinking because writing a book is a massive endeavour. And we wanted to find out more about the process and what the experience was like for them. So welcome back, both of you. Thank you. We're so excited to be here again. Thank you for having us back. Oh, it's great to have you here again. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive in straight away. Let's talk about the book. So as Louise said, it's called Networking for Freelance Editors. So who's this book for? I, I, I mean, I know it's for freelance editors because, you know, you know the title and everything. But, <laughs> but, but who within that community are you talking to? So our main focus is on new editors and editors who are new to freelancing. We kind of think of the book as a networking 101, but we also think that it can help veteran editors who want to take a fresh look at their network and use maybe a more intentional approach to how to build that network. Yeah, definitely. And I'm going to hop in and say also that I've discovered, and this is an indirect effect, I think, of our book from what we thought our target audience was, but we also have a lot of teachers who are teaching courses or editing programs who have been introducing their students to the editing world and using the book as a tool to get them started on their own freelance career. Oh, that's great. Yeah, (laughs) we weren't expecting that, but it's happening. Um, And I think one of the reasons is that in the book, we really question these common assumptions that we all have about how networking works. And we, Brittany and I have been trying to challenge the readers to approach networking in a more collaborative way, really learning how to take practical networking steps, as well as, you know, trying to figure out what mindset is the most effective for you. So we really think, you know, it's a book for editors. And when we mean editors, we're really talking about editors, fact checkers, proofreaders, you know, people that are dealing with permissions, assistant editors, and sometimes even writers, I think people wordy people that's who it's yeah. all wordy people <laughs> so can we talk about why, why you went down the um route of creating a book because it's a massive undertaking I know because I've done it and swore I'd never do it again until I did and then I swore I'd never do it again until I did it's a big investment and it requires commitment so yeah why did you go down the route of creating a full-blown book you know, I think that the, the main reason we put these ideas together into a book form was because, one, we had a lot to say, um, <laughs> but we, we wanted to do it in a structured, practical way. So we wanted to show these networking steps um, and walk people through them, but also really help people grasp sort of the, the mindful approach. And I think that you've got to pair those two aspects up to make sure your, your uh, mindset is right and your expectations are right. And then, you know, do the actual work. So we wanted to help other editors overcome maybe their anxiety about delving into what networking really is and then show them how to create an actionable networking plan. And, you know, it's, it's specifically 
a workbook as opposed to just a book. And part of the reason for that is that worksheets are really important. Linda and I, I think, just love worksheets. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, as, yeah. well as, as well as note-taking, we like having those worksheets. Um, and you know, and in our mastermind group, we also use worksheets some. So there, but worksheets are an important part of the book because we wanted to help people do the actual work and be able to come away with like tangible guides that they could revisit and learn from. Because I think as Linda has has probably said before, you know, your your networking plan is something that is continually evolving. Your network has to evolve because, you know, you're probably not stationary and static in your in your work or in what you want for your work. So we decided to um, to make these, you know, tangible guides. And then we also incidentally um, made the worksheets available for free on our website. So you can just, you know, go there, you can print them out, you can experiment a bit. And that really helps me is, you know, trying to visualize different ways of maybe tackling the same problem. So you can take one worksheet and print it off three times and, you know, really structure, okay, what if I go about it this way? Or what if I go about it that way? And then you can also post them at your desk and, you know, for inspiration or just as a reminder to kind of hold yourself accountable. <laughs> yeah, I was just yeah. going to say we'll put a link on, um, if it's okay, we could put a link to Brittany's oh, sure. website. Is that all right? Yeah, they're, um, they're actually on, so we have a joint website just dedicated to the book. It's networking for editors.com. And um, we've got a bunch of resources, but the the worksheets are one of the main ones there. Right. We'll stick a Perfect. link to that in the show notes. That's we will brilliant. do. Yeah. Thank you. Excellent. What so a resource. I, I'm going to chime in too and say that Brittany gave a really technical and professional answer of how we, you know, wrote the book. <laughs> I'm going to do you, you guys, feel there's a big buck coming? <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the back end or the everything. So we had, I had a running list of things. Um, I keep a running list of things of all the things I wish someone would have told me when I started freelancing, basically. Wow. And, you know, if somebody had told me early on in my career that, you know, Linda, you're going to have to start building a good and solid network because you're going to have questions down the line. You're going to need support. You're going to need advice and you're going to want referrals. I, you know, I wish somebody had told me that. So mm -hmm. through the, the volunteer work that we've done for EFA with the welcome program and the questions that keep coming up over and over again for people that are just venturing into freelancing. A lot of people forget, let me take a step back here. A lot of people forget that just because you're going into freelancing doesn't mean you're not an experienced editor. Mm. Um, you might have been a very yeah. experienced editor in-house somewhere, and then you've just decided to take your career in a different direction. So a lot of, you know, a lot of us have those same questions. And you don't, what I was finding is that I was going to 20 different places to get information because, and the information that's out there, it's not specifically geared towards editors. There's really not like a North star for freelance editors to follow. So once we had this information and then we were stacking so much of it, we figured, what if we could just put it into one place? Like how much easier would that be for us to follow? And both Brittany and I love to write on the side and like she said, we love, you know, writing and we're note takers. So we knew that if we did a book, we would want something that was practical and easy to follow and where we could jot down our thoughts. And for me, I'm the kind of person that keeps a journal and I like to go back to it years later and <laughs> measure my success, if you will. <laughs> so 
the one reason it's a structured, you know, as a workbook, because we wanted the reader to come away with a plan that they could put into action, but also, you know, three months down the road, six months down the road, go back and look at what you've written and see how far you've come. And just to say, I think that's the book's strength, that it's, um, it's actionable. It's not just a, it's, it's not a piece of prose that you enjoy and then put down. You, there are, there is stuff to do. There are, mm -hmm. there are, there are stuff to do, which allows you, enables the reader to come up with their own workable solutions. Definitely. Good. Thank you. So you've created this fabulous thing. It, it perfect resource for editors but what was it like when you were in the doing were you sailing with a fair wind the entire time or <laughs> were there some challenges along the way um, surely the latter I'm sure it wasn't a perfect process but I mean please say it's the latter or you know Louise is going to go into a big huff and wonder what she's doing wrong <laughs> no there there were definitely challenges Louise is not alone in that um <laughs> You know, for, for one, um, we were writing for editors. And so, mm -hmm. you know, there was always this sense that there was going to be extra scrutiny. And that was a bit nerve wracking. We had to really sort of set that aside and just like let ourselves do the work and say, okay, we're going to address that. It's an issue. <laughs> it's something we have to face, <laughs> but we're going to address it and, you know, kind of sit, set it aside while we did the writing. Um, and it was really important that we deferred to the Chicago Manual of Style, which was the guide, style guide that we used, um, rather than, you know, giving way to our own idiosyncratic style preferences, <laughs> because <laughs> we didn't want anything to distract our readers from our message. You know, as, as editors, we know that it can be really easy to get sidetracked when you're reading for pleasure or for professional development. You know, and you notice that that comma placement or <laughs> you were um, just trying to head off all these emails from readers at the <laughs> past, weren't you? The messages well, have said, why have you put a comma here? That's not yeah. Another I mean, thing is there, there were two of you. And so you potentially got two different styles there. And yeah. so if yeah. you want to bring together that sort of synchronicity, then it makes sense to defer to an, uh, another professional style guide. Right. And that was that was important to us and definitely. Um, you know, it's, there were times when I would just thought maybe we could, you know, publish our, our style sheet also. <laughs> so people would know that was intentional. You That's know, such that an would, editor's darling, thing you're do, overthinking so. that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it was, it was really, that part of the process was kind of interesting for me because there were definitely things that Linda and I had to you know, we had personal preferences on and we had to give way to Chicago and our, our um, proofreader, Madeline Vasily is wonderful. And it was so interesting, just the kind of conversations that we would have with her when, you know, we knew what we should do, <laughs> but we didn't want to, you know? And so it was just, it was really an interesting uh, experience and a dynamic being on that side of the editing uh, divide in terms of being the author um, and you know so anyhow I guess I don't know if that answers the question but yes Louise there were we had challenges too <laughs> yeah I think so also one of the the challenges because we're both full-time working you know freelance editors is the amount of time that we had available to dedicate to this project because 
if we were writing the book, that meant we weren't otherwise using those billable hours. Huh? So, you know, we both have families. Um, we both actually have our life uh, when we're not editing. <laughs> so, um, you know, we weren't writing the book in a vacuum. We weren't Bill Gates that could retreat to a cabin, you know, for a week mm. and do this deep work. And no, um, we all had, we both had editing projects that were happening at the same time when we were writing the book. So it was important to, I think, really figure out a schedule, have goals that maybe they weren't set in stone, but we had goals that we knew we were trying to reach. Uh Mm -hmm. And that made it more tangible and more motivating as well. Mm -hmm. But another challenge that um, I hadn't anticipated that I think is important to recognize is that we wanted to make sure that the book was accessible and learning what accessible means uh, was, you know, it was a learning curve. And fortunately, we were able to draw on the expertise of our own network and do the research that we needed to do to make sure that both the print book and the ebook were accessible as we could make them. And I'm going to defer to Brittany here because she really went that extra mile. And I think she has a lot of knowledge that I think would be worth sharing about this part. Well, please do, Brittany. I'd love to hear about that. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, accessibility was really important to us from the start. Um, a lot of, we have such a, a wonderful, diverse community of editors. And especially when you're a freelance editor, there's already a sense of, there's already a lot of challenges to overcome, a sense of isolation sometimes. And, you know, you don't always feel like you're part you're included, you're part of the community because you're, you know, I'm here in Georgia and and you know, Linda is in California and, and Louise and oh. Denise are, you know, over the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're spread <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. You know, so you don't always feel included. And and I think that um we we did not want to add one more barrier um between um, you know, put one more barrier in front of our readers, in front of those editors who we're trying to support. So having, making the book, the, the workbook as accessible as possible was very important to us. So we tried to be really comprehensive in how we thought about this. Um, and we, like Linda said, we talked to a lot of wonderful editors that we know who have more experience in this area than we do to kind of get us thinking in the right direction and, and give, you know, help us with resources. Um, but we paid attention to things like the color contrast, um, like on the cover and even in the interior and the way the, um, the worksheets are designed. You know, we paid attention to our font choices, to using alt text, both in the ebook and on our website. Um, and trying to be very inclusive in our in-text examples and case studies. Um, we just, we wanted to buy, you know, both by the content and by how we presented it to kind of be just welcoming and to try to make things as comfortable and easy to access for everyone. So, and we even had an, an extra level of coding done to make the book um, particularly compatible for editors who use screen readers. So it, it really made us realize how much goes into uh, accessibility and h- how many levels and um, different things you have to consider. 
there are, but it was wonderful because we had, um, like I said, we had really great people that we could talk to and learn from. And, you know, I hope that, I, I hope that the book is, is very accessible, um, but it's something that, you know, we're always open to learning more and, and, you know, improving on. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, like Linda said, it was a lot for us to learn, um, but I, I hope that it is helpful. Brittany and Linda, I hope that you and um, you will both come back and talk to us um, perhaps in the um, not too distant future, maybe a, a little bit more specifically about um, that, because I think it's a, you know, for anybody thinking about going down the route of producing e-content, whether it's free or paid for, that there's there's more and more attention being paid now to these extra extra uh, you know additional levels of of uh, of accessibility input i know that book machine have looked at this stuff um several times on their blog yeah um, it would be lovely to if you would come back at some yeah. stage and perhaps um talk in more detail about um accessibility of, yeah. of, of e-content that would be really useful mm -hmm. it's i think it's such an important topic because you know as many editors are you know, most editors have a website and they have images and they are creating content and and accessibility isn't necessarily front of mind when people are creating what they might consider to be quite small pieces of content. You know, maybe when they, they're writing a book, they would, but not necessarily about things for their websites. And I think we should definitely, it should be front of mind really when we create anything. And I know I've certainly tried to become more aware of that with, you know, alt text for images, even on, you know, in social media posts and things like that. So mm -hmm. definitely a topic that deserves its own separate uh, conversation, I think. Yeah. You know, in addition to trying to do this for our own book, we also have um, a place in the in the book where, you know, we speak directly to the reader to kind of, um, because not everyone is maybe aware of the need for the accessible, the accessible um, features. And mm -hmm. so we try, like, we did bring that up just to kind of, since we had this sort of platform just to, to make it more, part of the normal conversation the normal yep. consideration yep. so great. i hope that it should, that... shouldn't shouldn't be other should it it should no, just be like yeah just this is what we should be... be thinking about as the standard mm -hmm. in the same way yeah. we do a spell check mm -hmm. and and professional mm -hmm. editing on the content right yeah. so um something i'm interested in is um the collaborative aspect of, of this project because I've done all my book writing on my own and yet I discovered the power of collaboration when when, when Denise and I began working on the podcast together mm. so we'll talk in a moment about the benefits of collaborating but there are challenges too how did you go about managing I'm just decided to do let's get rid of the the difficult stuff first and then we can talk about the nice things <laughs> how did you go about managing the dual aspect of authorship so that you were working efficiently and productively well I think that's a really good question and I have a I have a couple of different answers one um I I just thought to say this kind of on the technical side um because we one of the things that we used was Dropbox, and I don't mean to like be an advertisement, but there are other <laughs> there are other um, softwares you can use. But it's really great, you know, sending files back and forth was not going to work, and so we kind of synced up our our cloud, as they say, um, <laughs> so that yeah. we could really effortlessly 
um, work on things together and always, you know, not lose files and things like that. So that just occurred to me. But the thing I really wanted to say in terms of managing um, that aspect of, of working together is to work efficiently and productively. I think the most important thing is that you pick a good partner. Yeah. And mm -hmm. Because, you know, Linda and I had collaborated in the past, we were used to working together, we knew that we got along really well, like on a personal level, but, you know, we, we'd done a lot of intensive work in some of the volunteer positions that we had, and we were used to counting on each other, and we always knew that we could, um, and so for me, it's like I really couldn't imagine doing this with someone else because oh, um, <laughs> <how cute>. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just, it just has always felt very natural working with Linda. And I think that if I didn't have that, um, it would just be like, I can't even really imagine all of the issues that might come up. So I, I really would just say if anyone else is thinking about collaborating on a book or a podcast or whatever it might be, you know, making sure that it's someone that you work well with is is very important. Oh, yeah. I, I, I so agree. Can I just chip in here and say, I mean, mm -hmm. Denise and I feel exactly the same way that, that having the right partner when you're both on the same page about what needs to be done to get that project to keep mm -hmm. it on schedule and to mm -hmm. bring it to fruition is absolutely critical. You know, it's easy to get together with a and other it's it doesn't matter you know you could be really good friends with someone and really respect them but it wouldn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean that you were the uh, that that would make for a good book writing or podcast or blogging <laughs> partnership having the same sort of working mindset and mindfulness towards each other I I you know I I really second that yeah I think there's I think for me there's two things one is that having had Brittany agree to write a book with me was amazing. And um, I, I really look up to Brittany in so many different ways. So when, when she was like, yes, we should do this, I thought, okay, we've got this. But how I think for me too, is so important knowing that I can count on her as an accomplice because I have a lot of <laughs> random crazy ideas that were, you know, the sky is not the limit. And I know that I will just text Brittany and be like, hey, what if we did this? Like, um, <laughs> like translating the book into Spanish. This is another thing that in the project for this year is I really want to get our book into a Spanish audience, a Spanish um, speaking audience. And so I know that in terms of challenges, um, like Brittany said, you know, find somebody that shares your common goals, that shares your values, that your personalities really complement each other. And we have a lot of personal interests too. We, we both like chickens and farm life and chocolate <laughs> and motorcycles. So we do share other things besides style guides um, that we like. And, you know, there's also something to be said about um, appreciating each other as fellow human beings and yeah. respecting each other as um, authorities in the type of editing that we each do. We both edit in different genres and work with different types of clients. Um, but we're also very mindful of each other's schedule and life and responsibilities. So I think that the challenges are always going to be there, but if you're smart about it and you have mutually agreed upon goals, and a reasonable schedule that you're allowed to let fluctuate if need be, um, I think that's fine. But it was something that we both knew we could do together and that we were going to be, you know, we were going to follow through with what we said we were going to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that sounds remarkably familiar, doesn't yeah. it, Louise? <laughs> it does. It does. 
I'm seeing a lot of similarities. Between Not the chickens, if I'm honest. Not the chickens, no. Aww. I think we, we maybe bond over gin a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> gin. Yeah. Chocolate and motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so once you'd sort of got this framework and you'd m- mapped out how to manage your challenges, how did that sort of collaborative aspect help and support you guys? Um, so for me, I love writing and I can really get into the zone when I'm writing, but writing with a partner is just to me superb. So, you know, I think when working with a partner makes, ensures that, you know, the work that I'm doing is going to be not only shared, but we're going to share the responsibilities and we're going to really benefit. And we do really benefit from each other's perspective. So in terms of the collaboration aspect of this project, you know, we created an outline. We had what we thought were going to be the main themes in the book. We split up who was going to write each chapter. We wrote them. Then I'd pass my chapter on to Brittany for review or to let her, you know, develop ideas further or trim down where needed because I, I tend to get kind of wordy or use funny examples that might not suit everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I also remember like, I think one of my super tools in editing or writing is that I, you know, I get stuck in places sometimes, especially if I'm writing late at night, I'm stuck in places that one sentence is just not coming together the way it should. Or maybe I've just been in a binge of writing all these um, ideas together. And I come to realize that, that what I was trying to say really isn't clear. So all it took was opening a comment box and saying, Brittany, What's, you know, what do I need to do here? Mm -hmm. Um, Had there been like a life preserver emoji, I think I would have thrown that in there too, just so she knew that she needed to rescue (laughs) one paragraph. So, um, so that was, I think that was just really easy. And there's something else to say too about, you know, trusting the work the other person is doing. When Brittany made corrections, I knew that whatever correction she was going to make was in my best interest because she's really representing the reader to me. And if she's fixing something, and I'm just going to let both of you know that Brittany corrects with the most gentle and kind words ever, that you can't say no to any of her suggestions. (laughs) Brilliant editing, but quite manipulative as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So it's, um, I know she cares about my work and what Mm. my goals are, you know, with writing and what I'm trying to do. So it's really a huge relief to know that someone has your back when you're writing and that Mm. there's not only going to be another set of eyes, but those eyes are going to be attached to a soul and to a heart Mm. that's going to make my writing look great. So, yeah. Oh, doesn't that ring a bell, Denise? Like, I, I feel so does. much the same, you know, yeah. like, like just knowing that you've got a partner who's got your your back, who's got other ideas, who's got a fresh perspective, who's there to validate, but also who's there to bear, to shoulder the responsibility. It's enormous. It's, mm-hmm. it's such a powerful thing um, and, and so rewarding. Um, yeah. And yeah. And it's time saving, if 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 else, mm-hmm. if you don't mind me saying so. Yeah. It's quicker to, to to work when there's two of you because you you bring, you know, like you said, two pairs of eyes, two hearts, two souls to the table. Yeah. But that, that whole trust element is just I don't think you can overstate how important that is yeah. when you're working collaboratively. You can't hire that. No, exactly. No. Mm-hmm. So true. 
Yeah, we, I mean, and that was one of the things in terms of, of working together is that we have a really high level of trust in one another. And there were so many times where I just thought, you know, that's, that's the key to having a successful collaboration. We trusted each other personally, but we also trusted each other professionally as editors. Mm. And, you know, it, it was, it was wonderful to have a partner who was a reality check. Cause like Linda said, sometimes you'll get so deep into an idea or, you know, chasing an idea that you really, you need that other person who has maybe a bit more clarity on it. And it was just really cool the way when we would get in those situations, it's like Linda would know exactly what I was trying to say. Mm -hmm. And she would have the distance to be able to say, okay, all you have to do is, you know, change this bit here and you're, you're there. You just, yeah. you know, but you, you get kind of into a corner with, with your writing sometimes. And then, um, but it was just also helpful to be able to work through ideas with someone who was working towards the same goal, but brought another perspective. And I really mm -hmm. enjoyed that part of it too, because we were able to, sometimes you, you feel that, oh, you know, my perspective is so, um, it's such a product of my own experiences, you know, am I, mm -hmm. am I adequately addressing how other people deal with this or how mm -hmm. other people experience this? So that was a really great thing about having a, a partner. Yeah. Yeah. Can, yeah. Can I add something else like totally off script here about this too, is I think it's important to recognize or to not let the ego get in the way, because mm -hmm. I think when we're solo writers, you know, it's just us, us, us. And so I think when you pull your ego out of projects like these and collaborations, and you really look towards the greater good, or the mutually agreed upon goal, it makes, <laughs> it makes editing and, you know, just fly. Everything goes so much smoother mm. because it's yeah. just not personal. What she's, what, whatever yeah. Brittany's correcting of my work, it's not personal. It's just business. It's your joint project. So, and, yeah. and, and in right. effect, you've, you're editing each other. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that, yes. that's so it's, so, yeah. I think also that whole thing about, like you mentioned there, Linda, about talking through things. It's if, if it's a solo project, you, you know, and you grind to a halt, how do you talk yourself out of it? But in your in the collaborative process, you can just have one conversation to talk something through and it can completely invigorate you and give you a new perspective and, and get you moving again. And, mm. and I think that's another really lovely thing to have when you when you've got that um that relationship with somebody that you can work towards a mutual goal and help each other over different hurdles because of your different perspectives on things mm -hmm. yeah and your different experiences yeah and your different genres and your writing styles mm. well, it, it's like it's like one and one doesn't equal two in this situation one plus one doesn't equal two in these circumstances you almost get two and a half you know you're bigger than mm -hmm. the sum of your whole do you know what I mean What's, <laughs> right I'm right there with you on the metaphor, Louise. Yeah. I love it, and I, I get it. Save I don't bigger, have the words to complete it. It's bigger than the sum of its parts. That's, that's it. it. That's yeah. what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. But, That'll it, but it's so true. So true. So, moving swiftly on. Um, <laughs> so, what else did you enjoy about the book creation process? Did anything surprise you? Something perhaps you hadn't anticipated? For me, it was, um, and I texted Brittany one day about this because I just felt like I was writing so fast and, and just enjoying it so much and it came so naturally. And I would go, you know, weeks later 
and not believe that that was me who had written that. And I would ask Brittany, did I write this part or did you write this part? And she was like, no, that was you. So I think just discovering that I did have a solid voice in my writing mm -hmm. um, really helped, especially because I don't do a lot of business type writing. So it came pretty naturally when we were in the zone. And I texted Brittany one night. I said, you know, are you having, this is what's happening to me. And Brittany corroborated that for her it was the same thing, that it really uh. came very naturally to be able to write on this topic. So that really, um, I think, was positive. The other positive thing was being able to, you know, to set specific dates by when we wanted to have certain things accomplished and accomplishing them. Maybe they weren't 100%, you know, perfect, but they were pretty close to that. And when you're able to see how you're reaching those goals and when you're reaching those goals, it makes success feel more tangible. That's an interesting point, though, because when there's just it, it's quite it can be quite hard to hold yourself accountable when you're just having a like a bit of a sofa day, you know, like, <laughs> like you just want a bit of a slouchy. Whereas when you've got a partner you're working with and you've got a schedule, yes, the goalposts can move, but you you're you're more motivated because you don't want to let the other person down. Right. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so when you, when you've got two of you, that's what surprised me when with how I was. I'm I'm much more. I feel I'm more accountable when I'm collaborating with Denise because um, I'm if if I decide like I need to step back, that's fine. But if I decide I need to step back when actually I don't really need to step back, I just want to, um, <laughs> then I'll be letting her down. And so I'm much more likely to be mindful of that. That it's not just about me. It's that ego thing again. It's about mm. her too. So, yeah. mm -hmm. and I yeah, don't like to let Louise down sorry um, because um, I can be a bit of a procrastinator and <laughs> Louise sets me deadlines and I don't miss my deadlines when Louise sets them because she frightens me a bit sometimes so. <laughs> yeah on that, so. on that train from Norfolk to Glasgow I know right up there oh yeah mm. Brittany what about you um, you know I think that one thing that kind of surprised me and was was really kind of also exciting was that, you know, as we as we worked on the book and we would talk to different um, colleagues, whether we just, you know, maybe we were asking them for their opinion or maybe we were just, um, you know, sharing things about the book or whatever it was. And it was really interesting to, to realize how many people, what a great network Linda and I each have and have, you know, together. And that, you know, we just have so many wonderful people who are so supportive and in all these different ways. So that was just kind of, that was really nice um, to, to have an opportunity to really kind of realize that and appreciate it. And, um, and then the other thing that I, I think kind of was a bit I don't know if it was surprising, but it was something I hadn't even really thought about was how fun the cover design process was. Oh. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I like, I like design and art and things like that. And so it was really, um, it was neat because on the one hand, we were trying to, you know, you have sort of a rationale for, um, you know, what you're trying to express on the book cover, but then at the same time, there's the aesthetic part of it. And so that was really fun. And it was, um, 
it was a, an, an enjoyable part of it. And I, and I, I still like the cover. <laughs> like, I wasn't sure if I was going to be like, <laughs> like it at first and be like, oh, I can't stand that cover. But no, like, it makes me happy when I see it. So hopefully it makes other people happy too. But um, yeah, so it was kind of, that was kind of a fun thing. It's yeah. another side of the publishing process, isn't it, as well? Because it's yeah. not just a, um, you know, they, I often pick up books because of how they look initially yeah, too. Well, exactly. and, and I was gonna jump into that not to get too technical but I think when you're thinking about writing a book and I mean the covers is usually the most artsy part of the whole process sometimes but you have to take a step back and here's the, my you know my business hat on and think about what is consumer behavior like and who's buying how do people that buy books how do they behave when they're picking up a book you know at a bookstore what are they touching how are they flipping it over you know, are they skimming the pages? Do they look at the back, you know, at the interior back first or the front cover for it? So there is a little bit of a science to that that I think needs to be considered. And we definitely consider that, you know, we looked at all the other colors of editing books that were on the market. So the cover in itself, I think probably took about two or three months to develop just because wow. we were really studying market and consumer behavior and how we buy books and how this isn't just a book for anybody, it's a book for editors. How do editors buy books? How are we mm -hmm. scrutinizing, you know, the materials that we're choosing? So there was a lot of thought process that went into it, even though you can't really see it from just the cover. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things to think about when you start writing about beyond just the words on the page, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Oh, if there's any editor that's inspired to start putting pen to paper now and, you know, they want to write a book <laughs> for editors that we haven't put them off entirely, what, <laughs> what advice do you have for them or for anyone else who's thinking about writing a book for our community? Well, first, I, I would say, yes, do write that book because I love reading books by editors. <laughs> um, it's really yes. it's really cool because it's just it's. Um, you just get so much insight and I, I just really enjoy having a book that's written specific. It's speaking specifically to me as an editor. Um, so, but I would say it's really important to know the purpose of your book and who your book, who your audience is, because, you know, for us, those two things were really sort of our, our beacons or our guiding lights when it came to choosing, um, what we were going to say, what our content was, to editing the content, you know, your style, your structure, all the way down to the choice of your, you know, your words and your mm -hmm. style guide. Um, it was, you know, for Linda and I, I think that we, one of the reasons that this wasn't as stressful as it could have been <laughs> is because <laughs> we, we were just so focused on okay, we knew our reader, we knew who we were writing this for. And so we would ask ourselves continually, you know, what, what is most important here for this reader? What do they need to know? And it made it really easy to just sort of, um, you know, trim out things that were maybe things we would like to say, but it was, it was just going to cloud our message, or it wasn't going to give the reader what they needed. So if you can just really know who, what the purpose of your book is and who the audience is, and then also who the audience isn't and just allow yourself, give yourself permission to focus on that reader. I think it will make things um, much easier and just come feel like it's happening more naturally. 
Yeah, definitely. And can I just say that most of the stuff that we trimmed were stories I was telling that had nothing to do with the book. <laughs> <laughs> I just... <laughs> That I just thought they were entertaining and funny and that I thought should be there, but we're going to do that for the comedy version yeah. of networking for editors. But no, I think, you know, you can write a hundred thousand words really well and in a short amount of time, but if they don't serve the purpose of your book and your message isn't clear for the people that you're trying to reach, you're really veering off course. And like Brittany said, it's going to make the whole process longer and not as enjoyable. So I think you need to make a plan. You need to account for everything that needs to happen and things that might happen. So don't only think about the parts of the book that you need to write, but also what could be happening simultaneously. You know, do you need to start your cover design as you're writing just because you're going to have to be developing ideas? Do you need to start vetting editors or proofreaders and booking them months in advance so that you get the person that you want to work for your book? Um, one of my biggest pet peeves about writing books and people that are thinking about, you know, doing it independently is you need to have a book marketing plan, whatever that means to you, but there's tons of templates online and plans that you can follow, but you need to know that you're not going to start promoting that book after it comes out. You need to start promoting that book way in advance and letting people know that it's coming out. Um, as well as, do you have a list of people who are going to read the book beforehand, before it comes out, to start giving you those reviews and creating the hype for it? So I think it's important to map out in detail what this book is going to be about, how you're going to write it, and all the steps that you need to take in between that might not be related to the writing in itself and stick to the plan as much as you can. And this is some of the stuff that we ask our authors and our clients to consider if we're working for independent mm -hmm. authors and so it really is a good reminder that when we're doing when we're on the other side of the fence we need to be we need to be practicing what we normally preach to people so mm -hmm. you know don't write a hundred thousand words if actually what you can be if the if the good stuff is only fifty thousand words that's the how long the book needs to be you know mm -hmm. i spend a lot of my time trimming out um fluff from from what are, what are really good stories but there's there's that you know sometimes there's just too many words for yeah. the for in each sentence and and, and so when we're when when we're when we're writing our own books we need to be prepared to to apply the same principles that we ask our clients to Mm -hmm. right. so look you two congratulations both of you it's such a fantastic achievement but that aside it's a tool that any editor even one who's nervous about networking can use to get their networking done because you give them such a huge variety of ways to view networking so congrats on creating the book but what a book yeah absolutely such an achievement so Thank we'll you. put a link to the book in the show notes uh, so that if anyone listening wants to grab a copy or find out more about it you can do so so that's it for this week thank you so much Brittany and Linda for coming back to us it's just been so lovely chatting to you again it's been a blast thank you thank you so much for having us this has been wonderful so we hope um, every, everyone listening has enjoyed the episode. You can rate, review and subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever platform you prefer. Yes, thank you so much for listening. Now, if you'd like to help support the editing podcast, you can join our Patreon community for as little as £3 a month and get exclusive access to live Q&As with us for just a few pounds more. We'd love to have you on board. If you're interested, just hop over to patreon.com forward slash editing podcast we'll include that link in the show notes too so she's been denise 
And she's been Louise. And they've been Brittany and Linda. Join us again soon. Bye. Bye.